I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, and welcome back to The Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. A few episodes ago, I said that it's a cop-out to tell people that they should settle because it's the wrong advice to give. It's, it's the nice advice. It tells people that they are perfect just the way they are and their standards are simply too high. And that's just generally not the case. There's a meme I see shared a lot, especially around Valentine's Day. It says... I'm selfish, impatient, and a little insecure. I make mistakes. I'm out of control and at times hard to handle. But if you can't handle me at my worst, then you sure as hell don't deserve me at my best. The line is attributed to Marilyn Monroe, though there's no evidence Monroe ever actually said it. Sometimes the quote is just the last line, that you can't handle me at my worst and you sure as hell don't deserve me at my best. It's usually accompanied by a picture of a smoking hot Monroe oozing sex appeal and challenging anyone to not want her even at her worst. But it's a deeply damaging idea. For one thing, none of us are Marilyn Monroe. For another, the idea that we don't need to change anything about ourselves and are perfect just the way we are can hinder finding a good partner and a healthy relationship. The fact is, if you are perpetually single and can never meet anyone, there are probably some things you can change about yourself. And despite what your friends have told you in unison, it probably isn't that you're just too awesome for all the people you meet, too good for them, too beautiful, too handsome, too amazing. There's probably something about you that is repelling potential mates. It doesn't mean you're a terrible person or this can't be solved. It's just something that needs to be fixed. Women get this advice a lot that you're just perfect just the way you are. 
And look, men get a lot of terrible advice too, don't get me wrong, but women are the ones who are always getting assured that they're just super perfect and couldn't possibly make changes to attract a mate. Assuming, you know, whether or not you're a woman or a man, you have good hygiene, are not hideous to look at, and you're probably not hideous to look at. That's just the fact. And have no obvious problems, no substance abuse or weird tattoos on your neck. The problem is likely your personality. And if I may speculate a bit further, it's almost definitely that you talk too much about very little. If you're listening and you swear, look, I don't smell bad. I look good. I don't feel like I talk too much. It's time for a reality check. There has to be one person in your life who will be completely honest with you. You need that person to tell you in a very straightforward way what you're doing wrong. It might not be the amount you talk, but what you say. Do you talk about bodily functions, ex-girlfriends, men who hit on you constantly, an esoteric hobby you have that few know anything about? Do you take any experience or event and relate it immediately back to yourself with a story, no matter how short, to match? Do people shake their heads a lot when they're talking to you, even in a playful, oh, you kind of way? It goes back to the problem that I talked about a few episodes ago, which is that people don't know how to flirt. We don't know how to conversate. That's really what it is. Flirting is conversation. If people say, that's crazy a lot to you as you're talking, you're not having a conversation. You're delivering a monologue. So I don't want you to settle, but I want you to rearrange your personality to land a man or a woman. No, I want you to rearrange your personality so you can have a more fulfilling and interesting life, the life you want. Everybody has the capacity to be boring or inappropriate. It's the keeping it in check that makes you not annoying to be around. This isn't just for a mate, it's for you. Those people playfully shaking their heads at your ridiculous tales have no other response to your stories, but perhaps they are your friends, family, coworkers, and so have learned to adapt. The person of your dreams might not want to. The best version of a conversation isn't for the other person to say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's for them to have something to say back to you. Give them something interesting to respond to, and they will. Thank you for listening. Coming up next, an interview with Dave Rubin. Join us after the break. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. My guest today is the amazing Dave Rubin. Dave is host of The Rubin Report and co-founder of Locals. So nice to have you on, Dave. I like the amazing Dave Rubin. It sounds like I'm like a washed up magician or something. (laughs) The amazing, watch where he pulls the rabbit from. (laughs) I was going to go with incredible, but that felt like too much, you know? (laughs) Ah, is incredible Um, more over the top than amazing? I'm not quite sure. We leave that to the audience. I think so. I think incredible is, you know, like we'll save that for your second interview here, you know. Um, so <laughs> so you and I have a kind of symbiotic thing where we both move to Florida within a few weeks of each other, a few days of each other. And we're coming up on two years now. So how's it been? What's your favorite part? Well, I know the exact day I arrived in Florida. Do you know your exact day? Because mine was December 17th, 2021, and it is a day that I will never forget. I was fortunate enough that we have a friend who's got some pretty good means, and we didn't want to have our dog fly under the plane on on a commercial flight, so he let us borrow his plane. It was only the second time that I've ever been on a private plane, and you know, you get all the drinks you want and the food you want, and it was just great. <laughs> and uh, and as we were landing, the, the pilot said to me, do you want to sit in the jump seat? That's kind of right behind the, you're in the cockpit in essence, but you're kind of right behind the pilot. And I got in there, and it was, we were landing at about, I think, 9 or 10 p.m., and I kid you not, as we landed in Miami International Airport, I felt something lift off my chest. I, the last two years in LA, I had lived there for eight years. Six years were pretty great. My my career took off there. I, I did what you were supposed to do. If you go to LA, it's to like follow the dream. And and I'm one of the lucky ones, I suppose. It worked. Whatever I was doing, it, it happened. Uh, but then the two COVID years and the ridiculous recall, and of course, I campaigned with Larry Elder, and then I got audited by the state three days after that. <laughs> I was just so ready to leave. I was so angry at everybody. It's my, you know me, my general disposition is pretty positive, but I hate, everywhere I'd go, I just hated everybody. I couldn't deal with the masks, all the nonsense. Mm -hmm. And just like you, I I moved to the place that our friend and governor calls the Citadel of Freedom. And I have loved every second of being here. I have stayed here for two summers. And yes, it is warm. I admit it. And you Mm -hmm. sweat and your hair is a little bit lower. It is the price (laughs) to pay. They also now have something. I don't know if you have this up where you are. We're a couple miles apart. But you can actually put 
this device, it's like a box in your window, and you press a button, and it literally, Carol, is going to blow your mind. It conditions the air. I don't know what I'm it's I'm in called. a sweater. I'm freezing in my house. <laughs> Thus proving the point. It's these cold, devices are you know? These devices are readily available. So yes, they I work. love everything about yeah. being in Florida. And, and just one other quick thing. For me, sort of like existentially, what I've realized is I fought very hard against the craziness of Cali for a long time. It did spur me on in a lot of ways. It made my show more valuable to be fighting against something and all that. But I can tell you in the two years of fighting for something here, maybe it's I'm at the ripe old age of 47 now, like I just, I like fighting for something as opposed yeah. to fighting against something. So that, yeah. Florida, love it. Yes. Do you feel like California? I mean, I think you do, but is it totally lost cause? Yeah, it's completely lost. It, it's a one-party state. There simply aren't enough good people there to fix it anymore. Mm -hmm. Gavin Newsom, I think, is basically the antichrist and/or a lizard person who most likely is going to be the nominee. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they are getting Biden out of the way. I know you and I don't fully see eye to eye on that one, which for you, I think is more of a timing thing. But I just think there is no trick that these people cannot do right in front of our faces. They'll just do it. They'll push the black lady out of the way. They'll do it right in front of our eyes. They'll spin the chair around and it'll be Gavin. Like it's, it's so dangerous. <laughs> They're so evil and it's so dangerous. Um, but no, I, I have no hope because, you know, the other thing that's happened is that as we've had this massive migration, the red states are getting redder and the blue are getting bluer. So yeah. all of, think about if I, I literally could sit here probably for the next 20 minutes and, and go through all of the people and businesses that I know that moved from Cali and came here to Florida. Now, plenty of them moved, by the way, to, to Texas, obviously, in Tennessee. Right. But the, the amount of brain drain that California is suffering, the good people who mm -hmm. have left San Francisco, left LA, and they've brought all of their talents and their businesses here, and the people are voting here the right way. So there just aren't enough good people. It's sort of like New York City, and I know you're you're a Brooklyn girl. It's like yeah. I was in New York City during during 9-11. I lived most of my formative years there in my early 20s into uh, mid-30s. And it's like there is no Giuliani left. There, there isn't. Right. I mean, Rudy's there, right. but I don't think he wants to run for mayor again. But there, there yeah. aren't enough good people anymore. And, you know, Lee Zeldin, who, who nobody knew of until two weeks before that gubernatorial election, he lost by about, uh, I think it was 450,000 votes in New York. Yeah. About 500,000 people have fled New York in, in the COVID years. So not to say that every single one of them would have voted for him, and obviously some of them are kids and everything else. But the point is, the, the, the difference, which isn't that great even in New York, you know, a couple hundred thousand votes, it's exacerbated by the fact that so many people have left. And you know what? As a Floridian, I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. I feel bad for the people trying to vote themselves to sanity in places like California and New York, but you're right. There's just not enough of them. Although it looks like Long Island is going pretty red. And so there are pockets, but no, there's just, you know, most of us have gotten out. And I think that that's sort of the future for anybody sane kind of left behind, which, you know, too bad because those were great states. They were doing so well for a while. They were able to coast on like good Republican leadership for so long that we almost didn't notice how badly they were falling apart. But, you know, here we are. Carol, do you remember, I, I'm sure we're going to talk about Israel in a little bit, but do you remember the last scene in both the play and or movie of Fiddler on the Roof? So, you know, they're in Anna I've Tech, seen it a lot. The, yeah. It's the, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's an incredible moment. It, I, I, it's really one of my favorite moments in, in movie history because, you know, they're realizing that they can't stay in their shtetl anymore mm -hmm. and everything yep. has fallen apart. 
and uh, Tevya, who's obviously the main character, and his friend Laser Wolf. They're trying to figure out where they're going to go. And I might slightly butcher this, but in essence, uh, his friend Laser is like, I'm going to Chicago. And he's like, I'm going to New York. And it's like, they don't know what they're <laughs> yeah. saying. You could be saying, I'm going to Mars and I'm going mm-hmm. to Venus. It's like, they're, yeah. they're just, they're going to what they view as something better than where they're at. And I would say to anyone who is sane that wants to live in a safe, free place, uh, you really should move to a red state, but only do it if you're going to vote the right way. Because unfortunately, the, the history of, of freedom and free people is an aberration. The default situation for humans is, is autocracy and authoritarianism and everything else. Mm-hmm. And you know, in, if you live in New York right now, like, do you feel like if someone broke into your house that they would do any, the police would do anything? Do you feel like if a mob ran by your store, I know it was your friend in New York City, they went by her store. It's like, yeah. do you think the authorities will do anything? Or do you think that they'll basically give a, a, you know, a speech about Islamophobia? Like we've got everything backwards in most of the places, but not every place. Yeah. And the fact that you can't protect yourself, like you and I went gun shopping a few weeks ago. That was a good time. I mean, something you just can't, can't do in New York or LA and, you know, so you can't count on anybody to protect you, but you also can't protect yourself. The double whammy of that about the fiddler on the roof scene. You know, what I've thought about a lot is that they're leaving. They're really upset. They have to leave their home. But if you think about it, those are the luckiest Jews in like history. They get out. Okay. They have the pogroms. Yeah. I think, you know, things are not going well, but they get out at the turn of the century out of Europe. They end up missing, you know, the Holocaust. They are living in America. Their ancestors are the Jewish voices for peace now because they've lived in like this complete safety for so long. Those turn of the century Jews are always the ones that their ancestors, their grandchildren, their great grandchildren always end up being far left because they've had this security of America for so long that they don't even know what what, what it could be like if they had stayed in uh, Anatevka. You know? Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot to say about that. I, I, first off, I would say on, on like Jewish Voices for Peace or or any of these ridiculous mm-hmm. organizations, most of them are not Jewish voices. It's it's right. largely <laughs> like Islamists and crazed yeah. Marxists. They mm-hmm. put Jew in there so that it looks good when they're protesting. Like, I'm a Jew for Palestine, which is very different than Palestine for Jews, like queers right. for Palestine and everything mm-hmm. else. So largely it's not Jews that have anything to do with that. Your broader point though of you know what assimilation does generations down the line and what sort of like the ultimate promise of freedom Mm-hmm. You know, freedom. What you want is freedom from. You want freedom from oppression. That's what that's what Tevya would have wanted uh, in Anatekva. But you don't. But but freedom too, where it's then just do whatever the hell you want, and nothing mm-hmm. is real, and anything is uh, up in the air, and all those things. That's what unfortunately has led to a lot of. Um, I don't really want to make it about Jews, but a lot of what I would say are modern woke leftists. It's like they just yeah. say all these things and none of these things mean anything. For example, there was a you, you just texted me something like an hour ago from this guy who I think writes at it, we don't even have to mention his name, but he writes at New York Magazine or New York or one of these things. And he you know, and you could tell he's just like a New York like progressive <laughs> and it, I just like can't stand I can't stand their affect. I feel like they all have bad breath and they don't they eat too much so I just hate that whole thing. They're all kind of asexual. I just can't stand it. Mm-hmm. But you know, he wrote something like 
you know, um, Jews living in occupied territories is a problem, but, you know, we shouldn't be racist again. And it's like, and I, I responded, I, because I was waiting to do this show with you and I had a moment and I was like, why should I think or sit yeah. for a moment? I'll just well, respond to Let's have a to fight. Some, Start right, a fight. I was like, let's yeah. fight with someone on Twitter. But I wrote, <laughs> right. why is it? Why do you think that Jews in occupied lands are a problem? Because what he's saying is the West Bank is occupied. But, I mean, it's known as Judea and Samaria. It's where the story of Hanukkah took place. He hasn't read the story of Hanukkah. Come on. That guy, you know. The story of Hanukkah that Jews have been telling for <laughs> thousands of years. Jesus of Nazareth. He was a pretty popular mm-hmm. Jew. Nazareth, you're not going to believe this, was in Judea and Samaria, what we now know as West Bank. But, but these lefties, they just say things, and it's all meaningless drivel just so that I don't know. I honestly don't even know what it is anymore. I'm so far removed from it. It's just so that yeah. they feel like they can be lofty or right about something. But mm-hmm. yes, they end up dragging the rest of us to hell with them, I guess. The sticker said settlers are a problem in, it was like in occupied territories and in Brooklyn. That's yeah. like sort of what it was about. And this guy was like trying to pretend that they didn't mean Jews by the right. settlers. It's like, Come on, like seriously. But that thing, that thing where you, it's like you offer penance. So what he's trying to do there, and again, we don't have to make it about him specifically, but these type of people, they try to offer some penance. So yes, uh, settlers in occupied territories are a problem. Well, that sort of sounds right, I guess, but like also without getting too far to that, there is no occupation. There's never been an occupation. The British left the area known as Palestine, which is historic Israel. So all these people that are like, there's a 75-year occupation. It's like, okay, congratulations. You want the British Empire to come back. I guess we could go back 200 (laughs) years and really mess with the Ottomans. That would be fun. Like, it's, it's just such nonsense. But, but none of this should surprise us because if you don't, if no one ever stands up for the truth and if we live in a time when boys are girls and America's fundamentally racist and all these other things, then how do you expect anyone to know the history of the Holy Land? You know what I mean? If literally right, you're like chopping off very kids' high genitals expectation. is okay. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and be right back on The Carol Markowitz Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I was going to ask you in the last two years, you know, we started with Florida, we got into Israel, um, but you've had some major changes. You became a father and, you know, is that like, what's that been like? Are you, are you the cool dad? <laughs> well, I'm definitely the more fun dad because uh, right. I'm mostly in this studio all day long and working mm-hmm. all day long. So I get to, my studio, of course, is in my house. So I get to just kind of show up in the room and like pick everybody up and throw them around and spin right. them around and do all the fun <laughs> things all the time. I do. There are some diaper changes involved and some, you know, putting down mm-hmm. for naps and that kind of thing. Sure. Um, but David, my husband, is doing most of like the heavy lifting in that regard. Um, and we have we have some uh, help. His sister and his sister, my sister-in-law, is living with us, helping with nights and things like that. Um, and we have a close enough family with people visiting all the time that there's there's a lot of the pieces there. But it's it's incredible. Like it's it's frustrating and crazy and maddening. And sometimes like I'm like my brain is like I can't the screaming or just like these screaming. kids are so well behaved. Yeah. They're so fun and great. But like mm-hmm. sometimes just like they're both screaming at once and like I'm trying to like work through something that I'm going to do on the show. And it's like all this craziness. But then at the end, you know, like it's giving you this, this thing that cannot be described exactly. Um, you know, last week I was in London for Jordan Peterson's art conference and he gave, he gave what I honestly believe and I toured with this guy, so we did 120 shows in about a year and a half. It was the best speech I have ever heard him give. And really, what he was what he was saying, and I can like dumb it down in like the craziest way in 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, dumb it down for us. Come on. Is he was actually <laughs> telling the story of Jacob's ladder, the biblical story of Jacob's ladder, that basically, if you in your life do the right thing, so you find the spouse you're supposed to be with, you start being the person you're supposed to be, you raise your family right. That in essence, you're you're sort of bringing about God by doing that because you're like giving yourself over to something that's better. You don't know why exactly. It's frustrating and it's crazy. But then by doing that, you start building the ladder, Jacob's ladder. Jacob's ladder, the highest point of Jacob's ladder would be ultimately sort of not that you could ever know God, but it would be like it would be like the thing that you want to attain. You're like putting a ladder towards heaven, something like that. And that if you do a little of the good stuff in your life, you can start building those ladder, th- those steps on the ladder up. And I kind of think that that's what I've learned in the year of having kids. It's like you don't wow. know exactly where that ladder is going. You're building this ladder and you know it's the right thing to build and it's annoying at times. And like I don't drink tequila at 2 p.m. in the hot tub anymore, which was one of my favorite things I to was going to say, I thought you were going to say I don't drink tequila. I was like, uh, you drink tequila. No, uh, no. and we will <laughs> drink tequila I've seen you drink tonight. tequila. <laughs> yes, I will see you later this evening. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But not at 2 p.m. on Saturdays in the hot tub right. anymore. And so yeah. you sacrifice some things for, I don't know, the linkage of humans that they yeah. have been doing since the beginning of time. I guess that's probably pretty good. That's yeah, deep. Furthering civilization, you know, one baby at a time. Yeah. So you have a you have a huge show. You have a great family. You live in the freest state in the country. Do you feel like you've made it? Um. Well, I guess I feel like I've made it in that, like, 
I'm financially secure and I wasn't for a long, long time in my career. It took a long time, like 15 years to really get to that point. I mean, when I was, even when I was, uh, like maybe 38 or 39, like I, we basically had nothing. When we moved to LA in 2013, we had, may, I kid you not, we had maybe $5,000 between the two of us. I mean, I didn't have three months rent even, and we were making nothing. And, and I left there a millionaire, I guess. So like, that is the dream. You know, I built a tech company, not even because it was the right, or not not because it was the smart thing to do, but it was the right thing to do. Like I didn't realize how much work it was going to be in the two years of my life spent on Zoom calls asking investors for money. That became my job even more than the Rubin Report, but but it worked out. Locals worked out, and we eventually merged with Rumble. So like I guess by make it like I made it in that I wake up every day doing the thing that I am supposed to be doing, and hopefully like fixing a world so that those two kids that don't let me drink tequila in the hot tub at 2 p.m. on a Saturday like can can live a pretty decent life. So if if that basically is what making it is, which I guess I guess if you would have asked me at 20, you know, when I was standing on street corners handing out tickets in in Times Square for stand-up shows when I was broke. I mean, I had a friend, I had no money and I had a friend my buddy John, who was in food service, and he used to, he would drop off like industrial size things of tuna. I'm talking about five <laughs> pound vacuum sealed bag of tuna. And I would just eat tuna for two weeks straight. Like I am going to die of mercury poisoning. <laughs> How is there no picture of a young Dave Rubin eating giant industrial size tuna? You like know? there probably is. Right. I, he used to give me huge cans. Like you can't even believe, you've never seen a can like this, maybe in the army. <laughs> of soup that they, you know, like just like the most sodium laced soup that they would serve in the worst diner in Queens. And I would just eat soup and tuna just to survive. I mean, between the salt and the mercury, like it's a miracle in here, honestly. But, <laughs> and you're looking, you know, you look really good. You're, you're very youthful looking for I, all that mercury. 47 <laughs> years old, I'll take it. I'm, a, I'm actually at my lowest weight probably since college. I got, you know, I was always like, I've always been like sort of relatively fit, but I just kind of cut, cut sugar a little bit more. And, uh, and I also think like when you're, when you're like roughly living the life you're supposed to be living, yeah. the other, like your, your weight or whatever, like you start doing the little things on the margins to fix that. So it's one thing if you're like hugely obese and then your life starts getting fixed, it's going to take a little bit more time. But I was like within the margins of what kind of worked. So, yeah. You know. So, you know, also the, the 2 p.m. tequila drinking, it comes back a lot faster than you think. Like in a few years, Hallelujah. they're like self-sufficient. You could do whatever you want. They don't even want to hang out with you at 2 p.m. on a weekend anymore. They're, they're like, I'm going to the mall with my friends. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> that is it's all, that is good to know. But you know, you're you're around. another you're another good example of what Florida does for someone when they're when they're living the life that they're supposed to be living. Because I know how connected you. Hey, were this to, is my show. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just turning it on you for a moment because I know, and your audience yeah. knows, you mm -hmm. were deeply, deeply connected to Brooklyn and your community yeah, there and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It was not easy to do it, but you no, did it. it. And the cool thing is. That I mean, we're we're going to dinner tonight with this great group of people that I did not know. And I think maybe I knew Dave Raboy before all this, yeah. but I didn't really know any of these guys before this. Mm -hmm. And we've all become friends, and it's like we're fighting for the same things. Yeah, and it's nice. and it's it's fun when you're doing that, and and that's right. more fun. That's more fun than you know. I used to have great great parties in L.A. and during COVID, we'd have these illegal parties and I'd have all these cool, you know, influencers <laughs> and celebrities uh -huh. and whatever at my house. But we were always talking about how horrible it was there. So right. that's very different than when we all get together and we're like, oh, 
oh, we're in the promised yeah, land. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so yeah. good here. It's true. It, we really, we have a good group and it's nice to be fighting for, like, kind of to maintain it, right? We're not fighting to change very much. We're like, let's just keep it the way that this is. But by so, the way, that's work. Uh, yeah. That's work. Yeah, and, no, and, for you know, sure. A yeah. lot of people don't realize that. Like we have to really maintain that, like regardless of what happens with the presidential situation, either DeSantis mm-hmm. remains our governor or he goes on to be president, which would be incredible in Florida. We're on a free it. roll. Yeah. Right. Like we, we have mm-hmm. to make sure that the institutions that are strong right now, look, most people in New York didn't think New York would be this bad, this quick, same with Cali. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. as strong as Florida is and, and the demographics are really shifting in our favor, just if you look at voter rolls and everything else, but anything could happen. And whether it's yeah. six years from now or 10 years from now, mm-hmm. I, I want to stop it from happening. Absolutely. Yeah. We have to preserve what we have and what we have is so good. I mean, so what would you say is our biggest societal or cultural problem in America? And do you think it's solvable? I mean, the biggest problem is that we, we are, we are in a society that is driven by lies everywhere, everywhere, almost across the board, institutionally, CDC, NIH, media, CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, politicians, almost everything is driven by lies. And and that's why I think I've said to you in the last couple of weeks, like, it's not that surprising to me that we're at this weird moment right now. Like mm-hmm. if you say to gener- literally two generations of young people, your genitals have nothing to do with your biology. If you say to them that America, the freest country in the history of the world is actually systemically racist, that socialism is better than capitalism, If you that two plus two equals five. If you take everything known that people yeah. who have lived much worse, much more difficult lives than us, Carol, fought for, that our ancestors fought for, many died for, to get us to this place, then you, you scramble it all up and you live in a time where every, virtually everyone across the board is just lying about everything. I think it was yeah. Alexander Solzhenitsyn who said that the one thing you can do is not participate in the lie. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to do. And I think it's the only way we can get out of this thing. Um, you know, there was, I played a clip on my show this morning um, of Trump at this, uh, there was this Florida conference this weekend where they were talking, you know, they had, they had DeSantis there and Trump there and all the Florida people were there. And Trump was talking about how great Flo- uh, Republican states were about COVID. And he mentioned South Dakota, Georgia, whatever. <laughs> and he doesn't say Florida. And it, mm-hmm. he obviously, he knows Florida was the best. He knows DeSantis was the best, but he doesn't say Florida while he's in Florida, the state that he mm-hmm. lives in and all his kids live in and his grandkids live in because he doesn't want to give DeSantis credit. And the audience starts booing him, which is very rare for him. And you can see he kind of, yeah. he has this weird smile and he, he's kind of back on his heels for a minute. And it's not that that lie at this point, he's made that lie. That, that was a lie by omission. But it's not that right. it's so egregious, like it's the worst thing ever, like saying, I don't know, that Ted Cruz's dad killed JFK or something like that. Um, it's <laughs> hey, not that, that might it's, be true. <laughs> right, right. It's not that it's so egregious. Other than what I've really come around to is that we can't fix the problems with lies, yeah. right? So if you think that the Democrats and the wokesters and the institutions are lying about everything, I don't think that the answer to that is more lying. And, yeah. and that really is why um, I've been supporting DeSantis and he makes it easy to do so. And maybe it'll work and maybe it won't, but I know that I'll have my integrity intact at the end and I think that's worth something. Yeah. Truth matters so much. I think, you know, more than ever for all the reasons that you said, I think that when we start pretending that the lies are the truth, we, we're all in a terrible situation. So yeah, yeah. I, I 
agree with you there. Um, I can keep talking to you for an hour, but you know, we, we're running out of time. So end here with your best tip for my listeners on how they can improve their lives. I mean, it's the most cliche thing, but the best thing that you can do is tell people what you actually think. And, and this is the time to do it more than ever. I have no doubt, Carol, that you've received as many texts, screenshots of texts as I have in the last couple of weeks of friends of mine saying, man, can you believe what my friend said to me about this? Or they're posting Hamas propaganda, or they think there's a genocide happening in Gaza, or the litany across the board of craziness. And they'll either say, you know, I, I don't want to fight back, or I don't want to... And it's like, man, you know, if you don't fight back, if you bury your head in the sand, you just get beheaded a little bit lower on the neck right. or the frog in the pot. Like you can just sit there and the temperature will constantly be turned up and you'll be like, oh, I don't want to upset everybody. And, you know, and then eventually you're a boiled frog and I've had mm -hmm. frog's legs and they're not great. It's, it's just not <laughs> great. And, and that's what people have to do. You have to mm -hmm. speak up. Because they're preying on the fact that, that we won't speak up. You have to call out the nonsense. And that's not to say that people won't be mean to you or say weird things to you on Twitter or whatever else. But like, if you think that your silence is doing you any favors, it is just delaying the inevitable. And especially, I guess, if you have kids, you damn well better do it. Because then you're doing the ultimate, ultimate disservice to your children, which is, your, your acquiescence is handing them a world that is worse than the one that was handed to you. And I can't imagine anything worse that a parent could do. That's right. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that Hamas is holding two peace activists is really, you know, the telling point there where they really don't care what you believe. They will, you know, exactly chop off your head no matter what. So tell the truth, let your kids know what you really believe. I think that's the way we need to be proceeding from here. Thank you so much, the incredible Dave Rubin. Uh, thank you so much for coming on my show. Love talking to you. And we'll continue this over tequila. Thank you to the luxurious Carol Markowitz. <laughs> I will see you at that undisclosed location at 7 p.m. tonight. Tequila on me. Thanks so much for joining us on the Carol Markowitz Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.